Welcome to the Real Talk Theology Podcast, where everyone is a theologian. Whether you believe in God or just have thoughts about God, we invite you to join us as we discuss doctrine for everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk Theology. My name is Brock and I am here with Aaron Mitchell. What's up guys? And the Christopher Coleman. Have you ever in your life gone by Christopher or has it always been Chris? You know, I was born in that era where like every fifth child was named Chris. Gotcha. And so, yes, I went by Christopher. I've gone by Anthony. Uh, Is that your middle name? That's my middle name. There you have it. So, yeah, and I've just gone by Coleman quite a bit. So, there you go. Yeah, it kind of goes, especially because there's so many other Chris's around. Yes. Well, man, we are nearing the the midpoint of spring. We've had some great weather here in Northwest Arkansas. Summer's right around the corner. I just want to know, you guys have anything coming up this spring or this summer as outdoor weather is upon us that you guys are just really looking for? I mean, for me, pretty much once Christmas is done, I'm like, bring on the boat weather. Like, okay. I, I'm ready to be on the boat, on the lake. What does boat weather mean? Is that like you're out there on uh, bare, barefoot skiing does it mean you're tubing? Does it mean you're on a pontoon boat? We tube, boat? we wake surf, we wake board, okay. that sort of stuff. Uh, not on my boat. I've got the school bus of the lake. I have the the tri-tune. Uh, there's the party barge. But uh, but yeah, they're, they're the families go out with. They all have wakeboarding boats. And so stuff. here's what I do like, though, is that the, the, the bus, as you call it, the pontoon that you drive, it's got a built-in grill. Yes, on it the boat. Does. Amen. Yes, it does. Amen. We make you, some good food on it. You don't like y'all aren't taking deli sandwiches out on the water. Y'all oh, are no. like grilling. No, we grill burgers and brats and you name it on that thing. So, oh yeah, it's good. Aaron, what are you looking forward to this summer? Yeah, other than lake days because those are some exciting things that are coming up soon. Um, man, I, I get to travel a lot this this summer, and I will barely be home, and that is. That's the dream. You I barely have a home, but okay. I look. He lives in my basement. That's all I can say. But we, we <laughs> make said that last time. time. We we make it. We make it all the time. But I just gotta let the people know that like, uh, my friends back home. Uh, my friend Matthew. Shout out to Matthew, uh, the boy I used to do the doghouse with. Um, we uh, he, he, we use. He jokes with me. He says like I live like a gypsy lifestyle. And he's just like I just kind of like fair. wonder. I'm like a vagabond. I don't know if that's a good thing, but hey, it, Jesus says something on the lines of son of man. And we're to lay his head. Yep. Yeah. So, so just being like Jesus. Him. But look, I'm I'm super pumped for the summer. It's you know, going to be a lot of mission trips and a lot of uh, a lot of vacations and just just cool travel stuff. So I'm pumped for that. Yeah. I uh, last year I got back into baseball. Uh, I grew up playing baseball. I enjoy watching baseball, but just not having TV at home didn't really pay much attention to it. And then when this means something for some people and nothing for most people, so we'll make it quick. But when uh, Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina had their like concluding seasons with the Cardinals, like I started watching baseball with my dad again and just got talking about it. It's very nostalgic. And so this summer I'm excited about trying to hit up some baseball games. And uh, I made my wife play catch with me the other night and she is terrible at sports, so we probably won't do that again. But wow, wow. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching some baseball this summer. This will offend some folks out there, but I, I got sleepy just listening to you mention baseball hey, just now. Hey, with so. the pitch clock, another controversial topic. It keeps it a little more exciting. But uh, I, I, So I do think, quick hot take on the pitch clock. Like, does it make it a little more exciting? Yes. Is there some things about it that I like? Yes. But I kind of feel like the pitch clock is to baseball what – attractional church models are to the church. So the pitch clock to baseball is let's make baseball more enjoyable for people who don't really like baseball. 
yeah. tractional churches. Like, let's so make it's church, like the Adam Sandler let's, movie. Let's make the, church the more fun happy for people who don't really want to go to church. Yeah, anyways. It was, yeah. Happy it's the Happy Gilmore yeah, golf because like really no one watches saying. golf unless the only reason that made me even watch a like any part of the Masters this last year was those those three trees falling. That's the only thing I that didn't I saw. Even know that happened. Yeah, there was three trees that fell. That's the only thing that I knew about the Masters. I don't know who won. I don't know anything. Ditto. Okay. So we've all got things we're excited about this summer. My guess is you guys don't Good have any problem. Uh, you, you don't have any problem telling people the things that you're excited about this summer. Well, what we're going to be talking about today is evangelism, um, something that, that we should all be, if we're followers of Jesus, there should be an excitement in us to tell other people about him. But if if we're honest, sometimes evangelism, uh, the sharing of our faith, especially in today's day and age, it can come off a little controversial. Um, some people think if you believe that, that's fine, but it's something that you should keep to yourself. I think of missionaries like Jim Elliott who have gone to, to tribes and, and places in the world that are hard to reach and have actually been, been killed because um, the, those tribes didn't really know who they were or what they were doing. There was a similar situation where a college-age student went to a, a remote tribe that was hard to reach, and he was actually killed by those native people and a lot of the comments online that I saw were, well, he had no business being there to begin with. Who was he trying to impose his religion on these these people who were just fine on their own? This is an example of Western colonization of trying to, to take our own ideologies to all these different places. And so you have those extreme views, but then there's other people, Aaron, I would guess from being in the college world of like, hey, if you believe that, that's fine, but don't impose your beliefs upon me. Yeah. So whether it's the extreme view or kind of the day-to-day view, sometimes the idea of evangelism can come under uh, hot water, and there's the the hindrance that we have sometimes to even do it at all. And so today what we want to talk about is why is evangelism essential to the mission of Christianity? Why is evangelism or sharing the good news about Jesus Christ why is it essential? And so to talk about this to begin, let's first think about, is this something that just kind of pops up on the scene in the New Testament? Or is the idea of evangelism, making God known to the nation, something that we see from uh, Genesis all the way to Revelation? What do you guys think? Is it something that just comes up new in the New Testament? Or is this something that we see the, the groundwork for building up in the Old Testament? Well, I mean, the theme of the entirety of Scripture is the glorification of God through the redemption of His creation okay. through His Son, Jesus Christ. So like, starting all the way in Genesis, working its way through, we can see thread, the thread of the gospel working its way all the way uh, through every single book of the Bible. But, I mean, looking at what God did uh, in Egypt with the Passover and, and, and with what took place there and how he had them uh, celebrate that afterwards, mm-hmm. obviously he was pointing towards what he was going to do down the road. I mean, everything's been about God receiving the glory he so richly deserves and, uh, and through his people uh, that they would be mm-hmm. declarations of that here. So, yeah, I mean, I think you can't separate the nature and character of our God from evangelism. And in particular, even, I don't know where we draw this line, but uh, yeah. evangelism and missions. We have a missional God, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, this God who left uh, his throne in heaven to come dwell among us. And right. so our God in and of himself is missional by nature. Uh, so yeah, you can't separate that going from Old Testament all the way through. The yeah, I think about you know Genesis. Let's start with Abraham. Um, you know, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, when he's receiving that promise from God, the, the promise is that through Abraham, who is going to be blessed? Not just the nation of Israel, but that all nations would all be nations. blessed. That, that I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And through the the seed, give you descendants of 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 many people. That's why we sing the song. Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. And so, what we see is that even starting from that very first promise to Abraham, the 
the the point of view, the goal is is for the nations. I think of books like the book of Daniel, and a lot of times when we think about Daniel, what do we think about? We think of Daniel in the lion's den. We think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But when you really start to read in the book of Daniel, what you see over and over and over again is God making his glory known to who? To Babylon, to the nations, that the other places in the world would see how good and how great this God is, and that they would worship him because of it. And so all throughout the Old Testament, you have this idea of God working through a specific people, and the world is supposed to come and see. I I think that's the... the, a way of us summarizing kind of the, the the mission of God in the Old Testament is an aspect of, hey, come come see what God is doing in this people uh, called Israel. But then there's kind of a shift as we get to the to the New Testament, and it goes from a come and see to now it's what? It's go and tell. Go and tell. And so wh- where are maybe some instances you can look in the New Testament and see this mission of, hey, there's a message that we have a burden placed upon us to a responsibility to go and tell these things that we've we've seen, these things that we've heard, these things that we've experienced. Yeah, I mean, well, we look at the Great Commission, uh, and Jesus is, Jesus sends these disciples off to share the gospel, but the last three years have been his ministry with them. So that was the come and see moment. Yeah. Uh, of, of well, and even before the Great Commission itself, he sent them out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yeah. the practice run here, you know, like before they're going to do the real deal. Right. Like and so while them. while he's with them uh, for these three years of ministry, it's the, I say the come and see moment as we're talking about. But then as he's leaving, he's like, hey, it's not over, though. Go and tell. And that's where um, we tie in the glory. Like the glory of God is the main reason the that what makes evangelism essential mm-hmm. is for God's glory. There is no other reason because, you know. Us three, we all certainly agree that God can do whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases. Mm -hmm. But the reason he commands us to do this, number one, is for his glory. uh, And then secondly, it would be for the salvation of souls, which brings him glory. You know, and so, um, yeah, I just I think of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus tells us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Um, we have to reflect on what he has done the last three years of his of his life Mm -hmm. and what he has set the stage for leading up to his death and his resurrection and to go tell people mm-hmm. about this. Because, you know, the the disciples are probably thinking, like, all right, all right, we're gonna tell them about you. But then after he's risen from the grave, they're thinking, Oh, we're like we're gonna tell we're gonna tell them about you, you know? Yeah. Because they're like, we can we can talk about all these people who have died in the past and never risen. Right. But we have we have hope in the name of Jesus now that he is alive. Yeah, but Matthew twenty eight eighteen isn't Jesus just talking to the disciples there? Why why should we think if he's giving this command to the disciples? Why should it have any burden to bear on us as followers of Jesus today? Yeah, so I would I would just say that like with the hope that it has brought us, so it brought those disciples hope in the moment, and then by them obeying what Jesus told them to do by going and sharing with the rest of the world, they go and bring this hope to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And they send the rest of the world off with that commandment as well, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of the the trickle effect of it's it's been passed generation to generation. And you know, as Jesus also said, the gates of hell would not prevail; mm-hmm. like they they will not, and they have not, and it's not it's not going to happen. And so, since that truth of going and make disciples has been passed down each generation and every generation, it's now fortunately been passed to us, and we have that same mission to go and make disciples. And the disciples that we make, the the students we pour into, the college students, the adults, whoever we pour into, we are giving them that same mission so that here even in Rogers, Arkansas, or wherever we are serving, 
that mission continues to be passed down forever. Yeah, and and I also think so so obviously the disciples are receiving that command in Matthew 28, but there's also some scholars who think that this is the moment that Jesus appears before 500 people that there's actually other people present whenever Jesus is giving the great commission and that's why you see it says that some doubted. Mm-hmm. Well, at that point, hopefully Thomas is over his doubts, hopefully the rest of the disciples are over their doubts, but if there's other people present, it could make sense why some people are doubting. So it's possible, we don't know for sure, but it's possible that that command was given more than than just the 12. But then what do we see later on in Ephesians 4? Paul says that God has given apostles, pastors, teachers, all of these people for what? To, to equip the church for the work of the ministry. And so it's not just in the hands of these apostles, it's not just in the hand of leaders or disciples, but but really all of the church, if you have been uh, saved by Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's called each and every one of us to be disciple makers. Now, Chris, you mentioned something earlier. Uh, a lot of times we can divide evangelism as one thing and discipleship as another thing. Why is it that the two are connected and the one should really lead to the other? Well, I mean, you really they are intricately connected. It's not real discipleship if it doesn't yeah. result in a heart and a desire to evangelize and yeah. to, to be on mission. Uh, I, I would submit that it's not even real discipleship at all if it doesn't have that outcome. Uh, you know, discipleship is, is being brought up under the discipline of a particular philosophy or teaching, or in this case, the example of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, first off, and, and I'm sure we'll hit on this a little later, uh, but that word disciple and discipline, they sound very similar for a reason. Mm. And so there's discipline necessary in this process. Uh, we have to train ourselves and, and practice. You know, I, I have students that I say, hey, I, I want you to write down your testimony in a written form mm-hmm. and, and what it is that God has done in your life and how it is that you, th- why it is you think you're saved. Well, the reason for that is I, I want them to understand uh, and have thought through the outline of how it is a message of the gospel fits into their story right. and, and what God's done there. And so there's a discipline involved there. That's a side point here. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's if you're following in the discipline or the example of Jesus, you just can't escape missionality. You can't escape evangelism being at the core of his heart. I mean, mm. that's it. that is what he came for was ultimately that men would come to know him mm-hmm. and be saved through him. And so for us to, and when we do this, even within our Southern Baptist tribe, and, and I serve with the Arkansas Baptist State Convention, sometimes with our own campus ministers for the mm-hmm. Baptist Collegiate Ministry, in their metrics, we separate that out, this discipleship yeah. component versus evangelism versus missions, when, again, real discipleship's going to naturally result in evangelism and mission uh, because it's at the heart of God, and that's what we're trying to instill in, into folks. And what the Holy Spirit wants to instill is his own heart. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think, uh, and I want to hit on something that Aaron said a little while ago, um, that uh, the prime, and I'll put it in my own words here, but the really the prime product of the gospel is not necessarily the salvation of men and women. Uh, the prime product of the gospel is the glorification of God. Mm-hmm. God is just most glorified when men and women are drawn unto himself. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and the reason I say that in this particular context is if we're not careful, though, we can disciple in such a way that really is promoting humanism rather yeah. than the gospel itself. Uh, humanism is this philosophical, you know, to, to compile it down. There's lots of definition of humanism out there. Humanism essentially means, to use a Paris Reedhead from the Ten Shekels in a Shirt sermon, uh, human, humanism is where the end of all being is the happiness of man. Yeah. And if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll go share the gospel um, and we'll disciple others to share the gospel with a motivation that is, 
I don't want to, and, and it should be part of our motivation. We don't want to see the person next to us go to hell. And mm-hmm. like that's, that's part of the motivation, but ultimately we want to do this out of obedience to Christ mm-hmm. because he is worthy of their worship. He is worthy of their obedience to quote the yeah. Moravian missions, um, you know, that the lamb that was slain might receive the reward of his suffering in us. Yeah. And so, uh, so I think that's, again, I, I'm talking in circles here, but it, that is at the heart of everything that was going on in the New Testament as the New Covenant was being established was it's a missional God yeah. who wants to see himself known among the nations. Yeah, and there were two things, you know, talking about how God is, is, is glorified through saving sinners. It shows how good he is. It shows how great he is. It shows how mighty that he is to be able to save us from anything. And, and two quotes from, from John Piper that come to mind is, is just the idea of God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him and we will never be satisfied in God until we have been first saved by God. And so it's in our salvation that that God fills our greatest longing. He satisfies us here at First Rogers. We're preaching through uh, the gospel of John right now and talking about the woman at the well and how Jesus meets this woman, crosses all these social, cultural, ethnic, racial barriers and shows her that the greatest thing she needs isn't necessarily the answer to those problems, although I think Jesus does address some of those problems and Jesus confronts some of those problems and shows that they are, in fact, problems. But her greatest greatest problem is that she's unsatisfied, and she's unsatisfied because she's in her sin. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, because of her sin, she's separated from God. And so when Jesus is, is calling her to drink of this living water, the thing that he is satisfying in her is that she will no longer long for a relationship with God. And so we are most satisfied, or God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We are satisfied in him once we are saved by him. But another quote from Piper that I think is always important to bring up in missions, and Chris, you, you hit on this uh, as well as Aaron at the beginning, um, but a lot of times we can think that that evangelism uh, or missions is the the main purpose of the church. But as you just mentioned, the main purpose of the church is what? The glorification of God. And so Piper has a quote that says, missions exists or evangelism in the context of this discussion, evangelism, missions exist because why? There are places that worship doesn't exist. So Piper draws this conclusion out in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, based on one of the Psalms. But the reason why we go, the reason why we share, the reason why we want people to know who Jesus is, is because they were made to worship God. Well, and you see that theme all through the scriptures. Correct. I mean, you look at everything that God does to the Old Testament, and often at the end of that thing, I did this for what? For my namesake, for the glory of my name, that the nations right. might exalt me, that over and over and over again to the praise of his glorious grace. Yeah. I mean, we see that that theme is all through the scriptures, that ultimately it's about the glorification of God. Now, an unbelieving world looks at that and thinks, well, this God's egotistical. Yeah. And Unless he's as good and great as he says he is. That's exactly it. Yeah. You know, and so, it, but from that comes this idea, though, that sometimes an evangelism went to be careful with is, that somehow we are a somewhat good people in trouble with a very angry, wrathful God. Right. And that's just not the reality. We're we're very disgusting people. We're, in trouble we're the, the very, egotistical yes, ones. Yes, we're the egotistical just ones, to be the clear. selfish ones here in trouble with a very good, gracious, loving God. Right. Yeah. And, and cause, because that leads to the fact that God does not need us for evangelism. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't need us to do anything. And a lot of times we can, um, you mentioned Paris Reedhead, and he, he mentions in his sermon, Ten Shekels in a Shirt, that like, he almost felt like he was going to share the gospel to improve on the justice of God. He mm-hmm. he went to show that oh you know like oh God like God's not as bad as y'all think he is, and it's like 
we we have no right as humans to think that we can improve on God's justice. Right. And, you know, and um, we have to realize yeah, to that. Yeah, to put it in context to what Parrish Reed had said, he said, if you ask me why I went to Africa, I'll tell you why I went to Africa. I went there to pr- improve upon the justice of God because I did. I saw African funerals and I saw African hmm. rituals and I saw all the suffering they were going through and I didn't think it was right for them to suffer all this time on earth only to go to hell at the end of the road. Yeah. Right. And so I went there motivated by humanism. I went yeah. there motivated by wanting to keep them yeah. from avoiding hell yeah. rather than out of obedience to and glorification of God. Yeah. yeah, and we just have to we have to realize that you know we have to have the mindset of God does not need us, but because of His love, because of His goodness, yeah. He He chooses to involve us to bring Him glory and to bring us satisfaction, as you mm-hmm. were mentioning that Piper said, because that is the peak satisfaction to just. Just be in unison with God, and what better way to show our love for Him than to, as Jesus says, obey His commandments. Mm-hmm. And that that greatest commandment of loving God, and then secondly, loving others. And the best way to do that is to tell others about God. <laughs> like, well, yeah, and, and that's and the best so way to, I, and God's I, a relational God, real quick. Yeah. yeah, just real quick, God's a relational God. And so uh, to put this in very practical terms, we talk about this podcast being practical right. theology. And so uh, if you were back in Aaron's uh, time period of life where he is a young single man um, who is on the hunt. And so uh, there you go, throwing that in. Uh, But if he sees a girl that he's interested in, he wants to build a relationship with. uh, One of the things that you do in that process, that courtship process, Mm -hmm. is you find projects or things to do together in order to build that relationship, come to know one another. Like I remember when I was uh, younger and single, I thought, you know, I, I don't know that I want to get married before going on a mission trip with a girl. I want to see how she responds in that context before, you know, because that's that's part of how we build some depth in relationship. Uh, and God could. He, I mean, this is the same God who spoke the entire universe into existence. Yeah. He could declare the gospel to every living creature in the face of this planet right now if he so desired. Yeah. But he chooses to involve us in the works of his kingdom, which is an amazing blessing in and of itself. But I think part of the reason he chooses to involve us rather than just declaring it himself is it's this project relationship. Yeah. It's this thing that we, because he's such a relational God, he's like, hey, let's do this thing together that is mm-hmm. the proclamation of the gospel to the mm-hmm. lost. And some of it is he's working on us as much as he's working on others. And I haven't heard the the sermon that you guys are mentioning. I'll, I'll have to go and check that out later. I, I do want to say that that no, the, the fact that people are, are going to hell can't be the only reason that we're motivated to share the gospel. However, it is a good it's a reason. It certainly is. It's a good yeah. Yeah. I think it was even even as we were, we talked in the a couple of weeks ago on uh, revival. It's like certainly we don't want to scare people into heaven, but certainly the idea that by all means, if we can scare them out of hell, like that's a good thing. Um, I think fear is good who, office work to salvation, but yeah. it's not where it ends. People, people <laughs> who aren't followers of Jesus, nobody wants to go to hell. Fear of hell isn't enough to save you. But making people aware of the reality that that there is there is this this thing, this place that's a, a real literal place called hell. It's it's eternal torment forever, and that is what we rightly deserve for our sins. Like that's a good motivation. It can't be the only motivation, but it's a good motivation oh, for, sure, for, for, sure. for us to so so part of the reason why why is evangelism essential? Well, because the burden is heavy, but also because the blessing is 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 so good. So not only is the burden heavy of what happens if people don't hear, that's why we we send people to these remote tribes is because we we generally genuinely believe that if people don't believe in Jesus that they're going to enter into a Christless eternity and experience the punishment for their sins because God is a good and just judge. But at the same time, we also see that that the the highest motivation to share the gospel is that God wants worshipers of him 
from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, from every people, from every place. He wants people to know that that he desires to save them, that he is a God of love and wants to forgive them. So it's not just about scaring them about the reality of hell and what they deserve for their sin, but it's about God showing that in his loving kindness, he has opened himself up and sent his son to die the death they deserve so that they could have the life that they don't deserve. Well, God is actional in his salvation Mm -hmm. and and extending that arm of salvation through the blood of Christ on the cross. He is not actional in the sending people to hell. Sending people to hell is a result of Mm -hmm. their own choices and their own actions. Does that make sense, the difference between those things? Correct. Nobody would look at a judge that sentences someone to life in prison for murder and say, well, that judge is just... Uh, the judge does the sentencing, but it was earned by the criminal. Yes, and sir. so That's sometimes I, I think we can say like, well, God has absolutely no part in sinning. Well, God is the judge who determines what's justly fit for our sins, but it's our sins that we have done yeah, that earn us that 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 trip to to where yep. to hell that we deserve. Yeah. Well, so, to transition just a little bit in this talk, though. Yeah. So we've been talking on the drive, the need, the motivation behind evangelism. Right. The, and by and large, especially, you know, at our church here and in, in, in not just even our local church, but in our Southern Baptist tribe, a lot of us understand and have some understanding anyway of the drive, the need, the motivation. Yeah. But what keeps us from it? That's a great question. Because the, the fact of the matter is, like, if, you know, if you remain in me and I in you, quoting John 15, mm-hmm. you will, not you might, you will bear much fruit. Yeah. All right. So this is, this passage is dealing with abiding in Christ. And so a key indicator of if you remain in me and I in you, if you abide in Jesus, an indicator of that is you will, yes. not might, bear much fruit. In the context of that passage, the fruit that it's talking about here is not just Galatians fruit of the spirit, mm-hmm. it's disciples. Making disciples. So let's, let's, we got about five minutes left. Um, Let's each take a turn giving maybe some practical pointers, tips. We'll start with you, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, as far as, as, okay, how do we actually do this? It's important. We're convinced. We're convicted. Because here's the thing is, is I feel like especially like younger generations today, people want to be a part of movements. Um, you had the end it movement for, uh, for sex slavery that came out from, from passion. I remember when I was in college, uh, Chris, you might remember this. Aaron probably was a little too young. Do you remember Coney 2012? I got to thinking about that today. It was this this guy who was with like uh, uh, child slavery, making them uh, fight in these wars. And, and so, anyways, this huge blow up oh, thing. Yeah, Coney twenty twelve, yes, and it's I do like this we were gonna yeah. find Coney, yep. and the whole thing like exploded as far as like a social media phenomenon. I don't know if we ever found Coney or not, but I remember posting about it on social media. Yeah, it was on the Machine Gun Preacher movie. And all so, that. Yeah, yeah, so anyway, people want to be a part of movements. People want to be a part of making change, yet we have the greatest movement in the history of mankind. We have the, the greatest thing to extend to people, yet for so many of us, as you mentioned, there can be a hindrance. There can be a, a, a fear. Aaron, kick us off with just a couple minutes. What are some maybe some tips advice that you give to someone who who wants to share the gospel, who wants to be more active in evangelism, if it is, as we're saying, essential. Yeah. So so I think I'm going to say two things. And um, yeah, I, I don't really have, uh, I was going to speak to like the younger crowd, but you know, I don't know the audience that's that's listening to this. But two things I would say is, um, what what if, first off, we just, I want to take this approach of like other, looking at other worldviews and the way that they are like other religions mm-hmm. that take their beliefs so seriously. And just to think that, you know, as a Christian, I believe and I'm certain and confident in my belief that 
we hold to the truth that yep. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Yep. And if we believe that Jesus is king and he died and he rose for us, then what I'm, uh, what I'm about to say should encourage us to just get after it for the gospel. Uh, and so I would say this, number one, what if we prayed like Muslims? Hmm. You know, what, what, if, what if we took it seriously, not so legalistic that we, oh, five times a day at this certain period of time, but just the idea of truly praying without ceasing, not not making it a burden, but making it like blessing. I, I get the a blessing for like I get to talk to my king of mm-hmm. heaven that desires me, you mm-hmm. know. And then what if what if we took missions as seriously as Mormons take missions? Mm-hmm. They devote at least two years of their lives to go and share about this Jesus that does not exist. This chair could be called Jesus, and it's doing more for me than their Jesus because it actually is holding me up. Yeah. Like, and like I'm, I'm, I speak with confidence because like, if we hold access to the Jesus of the Bible that we say we do, we have no time to waste. We hmm. have no time to binge Netflix. Like you've picked, like like you've you've made this point before. We have no time to we have no time to sit around and waste our lives because we hold to the truth of the gospel. And so the practical step, I could go on with the what ifs of religion, right. but. The practical step I would say is, man, we have to we have to realize what the grace of Jesus has done for us in our life, hmm. and we have to take that to the world and show them the grace of Jesus through our life. When when yeah. they're in sin, we don't shame them and be like, they don't, they, guys, they don't know any better. To hmm. to the audience listening, to all our listeners, sinners don't know any better. We hmm. have to ex- like show them the grace of Jesus, and that's where I've failed as a Christian. Yeah, and and, and I've acted like a know it all. And I've done all these mean, hateful things over the course of my life in high school and stuff. And I just, I reflect on that and look back and I'm like, man, if this, if this Jesus thing is real, which it is, we have to be gracious with the way that we deliver. Yeah. And we have to understand that our priority is to glorify Jesus and to bring souls to him. Chris, if you had one minute to encourage someone to give them some tips for evangelism, what would it be? Well, let me just tip briefly in this one minute then, if I'm going to use the minute. What's keeping you from it? Well, we know um, you're going to use the minute. And so yeah, I'm going to fully use the minute. <laughs> so what's keeping you from evangelism? And often, uh, you know, working with college students over the years, you know, some of it's just a feeling of inadequacy. Like, I don't yeah. know the Bible well enough to share the gospel. Like, you, But yeah. you know what God did in your own life and changed your life. And the scripture says they yeah. really came by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Yeah, they your did. testimony is powerful as to how God has changed your life and gave you mm-hmm. a new identity in him. Uh, and so, yeah, this feeling of inadequacy. I don't know the scriptures well enough, whatever. Guys, I came to Christ... And within a month and a half of an admissions training organization, within six months, I'm in the Middle East for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like, I just learned there's a new and an Old Testament. I didn't know a lot of Bible. And then, like, a few months later, I end up on the mission field in New Orleans and at a men's Yikes. homeless shelter with over 400 drug addicts and, and, and whatnot in this room. And, again, I'd never preached an actual sermon in my life. Right. Like, never once. And I had about a five-second window of warning that, oh, you're going to preach today. There you go. And we saw a ton of people come to Christ, and I can't take credit for that because I was didn't know any. I was a twenty two right. year old kid who just right. got saved, and so I think first off, if, if feeling inadequate, feeling like you're not, you don't know the scriptures well enough, like man, God can use you if you're willing, mm-hmm. and He promises in His Word that He'll give you the words yeah. to speak. But the other thing too is the fear of rejection. That's another thing. Like mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to be rejected by those you will around. be. Yeah, and. The scripture pretty well promises that. Like not you're if, going to when. be yeah. But part of it too, I think, is also recognized they're not just rejecting you, they're rejecting him. Right. 
Um, but within that rejection too, just knowing uh, that we are witnessing within a hostile environment that's becoming more and more hostile right. all the time. Uh, I know I'm, I'm going to blow past this minute here. Keep going. But, this is good. But hey, Watchman Nee, you look at Watchman Nee. I don't agree with everything Watchman Nee ever put out or wrote, but uh, this guy was a missionary in China. He's in pr- Chinese prisons at one point, and uh, the Chinese government's cracking down on underground churches. And they're finding letters from this guy encouraging and discipling the church hmm. via paper, much like Paul did from prison. And um, But the letters are dated and signed by Watchman Nee, and they're dated for dates that he's sitting in a Chinese prison cell. Hmm. And so they start investigating and figuring out what, what it is, is the guards are coming to Christ because he's sharing the gospel through the prison. Like, yeah. this is a frail old guy whispering through the bars of a jail cell to a hardcore communist guard who knows that if he accepts this message that this guy's saying, may end up in the cell next to him. Yeah. All right? And these guys are are being led to Mm. the Lord, not because of the... Do you think Watchman E was just so eloquent? Yeah. He was just so incredibly eloquent in his presentation of the gospel and his knowledge of scripture that these guys just couldn't help but come to Christ? No. It's because God does the drawing, and he wasn't afraid of rejection. He's sharing the gospel with people who could yeah. drag him out and beat him to death. He wasn't afraid of rejection. He was obedient. Yeah. And as he did that, God used that. And eventually, uh, if you know this story, eventually they, the uh, Chinese government can't figure out how to stop these letters from going out, so they change the rules. No one guards them more than once, and they rotate every six hours. And what we end up seeing happen is the letters keep going out. <laughs> like six hours. Like what? Some of us go to school or go to work next to people for years, and we don't share the gospel with them. Yeah. Mm. This guy's got six hours with a hardcore communist guard, and God is still using him. Again, it's not mm. because of his eloquence. It's not because of like his knowledge of the scriptures. It's not because he's super qualified. Mm. It's because he was obedient and willing. Wow. And so what keeps us from it? I think often, you know, we feel unqualified. We, we feel like we're going to get rejected. Uh, you know, if you're like me, I'm an introvert by nature. Like I, I striking up conversations with strangers is terrifying. Um, but it doesn't negate calling. Yeah. And it mm. doesn't negate God's heart for that person. Yeah. And so it, it comes down to obedience. Yeah. If you, if you know enough to believe the gospel, then you know enough to share the gospel. Um, I heard it one time at a, a chapel, a seminary, and a guy was talking about evangelism and some people that didn't like his evangelism strategy. And he said, well, I like my way of doing evangelism than your way of not doing evangelism. And so sometimes we think of all the different <laughs> tools and all the different tricks and all the different ways that we can share. At the end of the day, as long as you're presenting the full gospel, the best way is the one that you're actually going to use, what you're actually going to do. And so uh, hey, we hope that this has been helpful. We hope that you see that that the evangelism, the mission of God to, to let people know about him and what Jesus has done to save them from their sin so that they can glorify him forever um, is, is an essential thing that if you are a Christian, it's something that, that you should think about. And who can you share the gospel with? We hope you'll tune back in next time to another episode of Real Talk Theology. Make sure to check out other weekly episodes of the Real Talk podcast as well as our new women's podcast, Long Story Short. And until next time, don't stop believing. Thank you, guys.